This is the second part of a two-part series. This week, Pamela Swanson has our board president, Ken Ciancio, join us. Jeff was so excited to compare and contrast what Pam had to say in episode one with what Ken might bring to light in our second chat. Bottom line, Ken and Pam are two peas in a pod. They are a team, and their mutual respect for each other and their roles shines through. If only all superintendent and board relationships were this strong. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, educators, leaders, welcome to Leader Chat today. And this is a bit unusual. It's intentionally unusual because this is what we call, this is part two to a two-part conversation. And we've actually only done that one other time in our Leader Chats. And the intent is because we want our Leader Chats to really try to condense and focus really important content on behalf of leaders, because let's face it, the, the, the time and capacity for leaders to truly one read or engage in terms of, you know, looking at white papers or research, that's really difficult to do. So our goal is to recruit rock star educators and thought producers in education, condense a very, very important content in dialogue so that it's digestible. Um, so that's very pragmatic. So we typically don't do two-part series, but this one, uh, this conversation deserves two parts. Last week, we interviewed Pamela Swanson, who is the superintendent of Westminster School District, Westminster um, Public Schools in Colorado. And the concept was leading your school, with, leading with your school boards and keeping focus on what's most important. Now that's that's easier said than done, as we know, because sometimes uh, leading with school boards can be challenging, encompassing, you know, cumbersome work because it's so political. And we know the impact that's having across the country right now. But I just so happen to know Pam because she's a member of the leadership circle. And I just know that she's stellar and does this in a very artful way. And so the art and science of leading with school boards um, hopefully sometimes connects, but often does not. So the concept of this, which is part two, is that we have invited her board chair um, to come talk with us. So it's going to be a kind of three-way conversation. So this is, like I said, we haven't done, done this before, but it is going to be exciting. And in some ways, we'll be able to kind of triangulate what we talked about in part one with Pam. So if you have not seen or listened to part one, whether you are a member and observing this video, or you are listening to the podcast, please do so. I would recommend that because you will see that this builds off what we discussed last week. So I'm going to be in a moment um, introducing uh, via the screen um, Ken Choncho, who was appointed to the Board of Education in April 2014 and then elected to the school board in November 2015. Ken was a was elected for a second term in November 2019. He is a lifelong Westminster Public School resident, so he's a local. And in 1982, he was a graduate of, um, I'm going to say this incorrectly, um, Ranum High School. He will uh, correct me when he's on. He attended Saint, the Regis University, where he earned degrees in political science and history. Ken has an extensive family who have attended Westminster Public Schools, District 50. And his father, Don Chant, 
uh, Chancho served on the the board of education in the 80s and 90s. So this is in his blood, so to speak, and we will make sure to talk about that because school board members, their motivation um, have to be extremely pure to do the job well. So I'm intrigued to hear what he learned uh, by watching his father and then, of course, deciding that I want to do that too, which makes him, you know, noble or crazy one or the other. So let me invite uh, both Ken and Pam to the screen and welcome them and just a thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. Yeah. How you doing, Pam? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us back. And um, we look forward to it. Pam, um, are you nervous because you you had a great, you know, episode one. It was, you know, your your opinions are really, really impressive. I'm looking forward to everyone hearing them. But, um, you know, Ken has the opportunity to now come back and say whether you're telling the truth or not. So does that does that make you nervous at all? Or are you just that confident? You know, it doesn't make me nervous at all. I think uh, I'm what you see is what you get. And I think I told you in the first episode that the older I get, the more humble I become. So um, I think what you got was unvarnished, and uh, I expect Ken will do the same thing. Okay, well, this will be good. So, Ken, I, I read your your bio, just which is, just tells you this much to our listener. Can you add to it? Maybe, you know, fill in what I missed or talk about your motivation from the very beginning of even watching your dad do this work and thinking, oh, yeah, I'll do that too. Um you know, what's your why? What's your motivation? Help us get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, I, that's a great question. My my father did serve from, I think, late 70s or early 80s to the mid 90s. And, and uh, that certainly was part of my why. The most important part of my why was community. I've lived here all my life, 58 years. And the school district uh, has always been near and dear to my heart. Um, prior to me being appointed, the school district was in a little rough uh, area. And so I think I got more and more focused and more and more interested in the district during that 2010 to 2013, 14 period when the school district needed a little bit more uh, local input, I think. Um, near and dear to my heart, loved the school district and I wanted to help out. So a couple of follow-up questions to that. You said rough area. Um, that, that can mean lots of things. So I'm curious about what, what you mean by that. And then number two, having watched, of course, I don't know how, you know, what kind of attention you're paying, um, as, as a, as a kid, but watching your dad go through this experience, once you became elected, were you surprised by how different it actually is compared to maybe what you thought it would be? Or do you think that you were educated via, um, him and therefore you had a good understanding about what the role is? I, I think I had a good understanding what the role is, but you're never prepared for what's thrown at you. And I think the learning curve of a board member, Dr. Swanson can certainly uh, talk about this, is the first year or two, uh, it, takes, it, it takes a while to get, get your feet under you and get, you know, here's what's coming at you at a million miles an hour. And you need to kind of slow down and take a breath and, and know what you know and then ask questions about what you don't know. So the concept is you don't, you don't really know until you get there, but you having a basic understanding prior to that, that actually makes you a bit rare too, because as you know, 
a lot of school board members are interested, sometimes with very noble reasons, but actually have no idea relative to what they're getting into or what the role is. They just want to do something or be part of the discussion, and therefore they run for the school board, which um, sometimes is a very interesting surprise once they get elected. So, Pam, what, what, do you have any kind of color commentary based upon what, what Ken said? I mean, is, are, you, are you the one who trained him or whipped him in shape or vice versa? <laughs> I think Ken and I trained each other. Um, so I think the tumultuous part that Ken referenced um, – when Ken came on board, he was watching um, a, a board that was very split. I think I told you in the first episode, my first year as superintendent, uh, it was a humdinger of a year. And uh, and so Ken was watching part of that. We had a, um, a very veteran, great board member who needed to step off the board. And so Ken fulfilled his last uh, year of his term before running. And I know he gave it a lot of thought, but nothing could be um, truer than what Ken said about wanting to help. And he hasn't just uh, wanted to help. He's very humble. Um, he's done a lot more than that. Uh, he's really helped elevate the school district. In fact, he's a part of a school board um, over his tenure that was recognized as Colorado's uh, School Board of the Year. Awesome. Congratulations. Now, Ken, um, you know, you, you've had the chance to watch uh, kind of episode one with when Pam, Pam and I discussed um, this kind of art of working collaboratively with the school board. She mentioned a couple of things. She, she talked about this concept of a management team, and she also really focused on this concept of trust. Now, there are, I'm going to guess, 70% of superintendents who wouldn't like the term management team. That would make them nervous because they would say, they would think, whoa, 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 we're not a management team. There's a manager and then there's a group to focus on policy. I'm the leader and then the board represents the community and then we meet in the middle as best we can. Pam described the relationship um, differently. And in a way that I do think a lot of leaders would be nervous about. But can you comment on this concept of trust and management team as Pamela so eloquently described in our episode number one? Yeah, and I, I think she's right. Uh, first off, uh, Pam or Dr. Swanson, the superintendent, needs to be comfortable in their own skin. And she is. And that's why I think she can she can call it a management team and it truly is uh we work closely with her she keeps us educated and informed um, on almost on probably every issue that we may face she has a trust in in the board she has a trust in the community um, but most important she has a trust in herself where uh she 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 trusts the board members and and the board members in turn trust her it's it's it really has worked quite quite well, but I think it's worked quite well because she's comfortable in her skin. So, uh, Pam and, and Ken, the, your relationship um, is really important. Of course, it is with all of the board, but um, Ken, your role in terms of guiding the the board as, as in that chair position, your communication, I know, needs to be flowing constantly. 
you're working as a team on how to support the board and, of course, your team, Pam. Now, in, in the meantime, Pam, you must have watched Ken go through an arc, right? I mean, this learning process. So I'm curious, what, what have you noticed about when he stepped into the role compared to his position now, which is so important and actually sometimes uh, not described as, as it should be. I mean, it is, um, it's probably one of the most critical positions in a school district. And sometimes it's just considered, well, you're a board member and you chair. There's so much more to that. So talk to us about, you know, what you've seen in terms of Ken learning, Ken's learning. And then Ken, I'm really curious to see what you, how you would compare your own learning to based on how Pam describes it. Yeah, so when we get um, new board members, I think one of the the good things we do in the school district is um, my team and I sit down with our board and we actually have an onboarding process um, and we go through different um, areas of the of the, the system and try to find out um, where board members really want to plug in and also what is it they want to learn. Uh, Ken is a learner. From, you know, from the get-go, he's been a learner. And even though he, he's politically savvy and knows the community inside and out, um, he's eager to learn. And, you know, there are times I can tell when um, maybe we've presented one too many concepts or something like that. And, and I'll have to say to, to board members, just let that wash over you. We'll circle back to that, um, you know, because you can have knowledge that as a generalist, so to speak, is um, an inch deep and a mile wide. Um, so no one's going to be an expert in every single thing. But I think what we try to do is pair our our team's resources with our board members. Um, and I'm not the only one talking. I think I mentioned last time, this is a, the superintendent sees a whole bunch of people. And so Ken, I noticed, um, like, like a lot of board members, when he first um, began on the board, he, um, you know, he definitely had a learning curve, but he's a fast learner, a quick learner. And what's happened over time is Ken's become a mentor for other board members as they've come on the scene. I know one board member who's um, pretty, pretty new to the role. Uh, Ken meets with that board member before every board meeting and um, entertains his questions. Ken and I talk a lot. A lot of times Ken will pick the phone up and say, hey, so-and-so has got a question about this. So he interacts with his fellow board members. And, but he does it in a way. It's, it's, it's non-threatening. And I think Ken can get along with just about anybody. So I, go, Ken, please. I think uh, early on in 2014, 2015, when you're first starting, or for any board member that's first beginning, there's a tendency to get in the weeds. And uh, we have to be gently reminded by Dr. Swanson that we're in the weeds and this is not really our role. Um, but she, she gives us a lot of leeway there. And, and, and so that's early on, that's one of the big learning curves. You, you, you're elected or appointed and you want to jump in and try to save the world immediately. And you have to learn and understand that there's a process and, and there's a reason for the process. That, that change doesn't happen overnight for many, many good reasons that it doesn't happen over every night, uh, over uh, like that. And, yeah. and prior to what we, earlier on, we've been lucky as a, as a board, um, our last two or three elections, 
that a board member who has run and has been elected is not agenda driven. They're, they're, they were elected for the greater good, so to speak. They didn't run on a one issue uh, as a one issue candidate. We've been very lucky with that as well. Well, you know, um, I, and I, I would agree what, we, what one thing we're seeing across the country, and it's always been the case, but now more than ever is, you know, the, the, the one very specific platform um, individual running, right? Assuming that because um, I will be in the seat, these are the things I will get there and change, which, as you know, um, sometimes doesn't align to the role at all, and nor is it even possible or even legal at times. But still, right, that platform sometimes plays. And then, of course, the board and the administration is challenged on how do we, how do we support a team member who has made claims that actually are not possible? Um, and, of course, be a team in the meantime. Now, Pam just in, I introduced you as politically savvy. What, is, what does that mean to you, Ken, and how are you politically savvy? What's your strategy to that? Because um, not all board members are, some are, and uh, apparently you're one of them. What, what does that mean? I, I, think, and I think that goes back to my father. I think he, he was as well, and I, see, I, th I think I must have learned some of that from him. But I have my ear to the community as best as, as, best I can. I think that's very helpful. I, I, I read, um, and listen to our other political or elected officials. And that's helpful too. So you kind of know which way the wind is blowing or, or you, maybe you can forecast which way the wind is going to come from. Uh, so I think that's very helpful, but you, you get involved and you go to neighborhood meetings that, um, maybe involve a fire department or maybe involved um, some other part of the community, not necessarily based on education, but but it's 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 getting involved, learning and listening to the community. And I've been it's one of those things that I like to do. So I think that's helpful. So I, I need to ask a follow up um, on that because. I, I have had the, the, the fortune of, of working with politically savvy board members in the past and watching them uh, gracefully navigate interactions with the community. I, I actually think that there's a bit of an art there, specifically because sometimes the community has expectations. They're just not educated on the topic and they will request things of board members or try to put board members in a particular corner, a political corner, that um, is not a healthy one. How do you navigate that, Ken? Is you're, you're asked lots of things of the community. They probably come to you on the following things need to be fixed. Will you please fix them on, on our behalf? What is your opinion on blank? How do you navigate that, you know, whether it be in the grocery store or in a community meeting? What's your, what, what's your process? Yeah, it, and it usually happens in the grocery store. Yep. Uh, myself and another board member, uh, seem to um, always get hit up in the grocery store and and a lot of times 99% of the time the uh, this the person just wants you to listen they don't necessarily want specific change they don't even maybe know what they want changed but they want you to listen and and I think uh, Max and I one of our board members Max math in particular do that well we we, we will always listen and then what we hear, we'll take back to Dr. Swanson or, or a member of her team and say, hey, here's what we've heard. Can you look into it? 
and and then uh, and then we go we go from there. Either we we can always get back to the person who's who's making the request and and say here's what we found out. So you're not getting a hundred percent of the story. Um, and and most of the time, uh, the uh, the the person is very very happy that we listened, and that's most important. Okay, so Pam, just having fun with this. Let's let's pretend Ken's in the grocery store. Um, he's very he has a very empathetic ear towards somebody asking him a question. He listens. He comes to you the next day and says, "You know, Pam, this is what I heard. Would you look into it?" After you know hearing the situation, you realize um, the answer is actually no. I can't look into it, nor should I. Would it be even appropriate for us to look into it? Because, as you know, not everything deserves the the kind of attention that people even request. It's important to them, but that doesn't mean it's important for the superintendent. So, therefore, how do you respond to not just Ken but other board members based upon what they're hearing in the grocery store and community, which is, you know, they can't help it. It is their job. Right. So, how, how do you manage that? Yeah, so, you know... Um, I spoke about operating agreements between the board and the superintendent in the first episode. And um, our board uh, relies on those. I rely on those. And so one of our agreements with each other, one of our norms, if you will, is if they're hearing something, I, I, I tell the board and I tell a lot of people, I'd like to say I know every single thing going on in the school district, but that just wouldn't be true. It's a big system. And so um, I rely on other people to be uh, the ears and eyes for me. And our board does a good job at that. But if the board hears something, their agreement with me is they bring it to me. And then I try to clarify or find out the other side of the story. And I think all of our board members know um, there's rarely one side to a story. Uh, there, there's always more information. And then if um, even if, if a parent or a community member writes the board members and the board comes to me with that, I try to find out what's going on um, or not and then respond back to the board um, either verbally or I'll send them a note uh, just to say, hey, we looked into this and, and this is where it stands. And sometimes um, Ken will, on behalf of the board as the board president, write back to the individual if it's something in writing and um, or he'll write to them and say, hey, I've asked Dr. Swanson to take a look into this and he'll copy me on it just so the communication is is two way. And um, I think one thing that is I don't know if it's artful, but it seems like it's respectful is if the board hears something, um, I want to get back to them and let them know what happened with that so that everyone has a little bit of closure at the end of that scenario. Ken, Pam did talk about this, this your operating agreements in, in, in our first conversation, as you know. Um, I'm curious in terms of, um, maybe if you can make some general comments on the importance that plays for you and your fellow board members, but also you as president. Um, what is your strategy when you see, sometimes unintentionally, some of um, your colleagues, your other board members, um, maybe stepping over a particular line, aligned to those agreements, and then what do you do about that? What, what is your strategy on how you engage your colleagues in a respectful way so it's not a line in the sand? It's actually a collaborative process. So if you could yeah. address those board agreements, I would love it. 
my management style as a, as a board chair is a lot like Dr. Swanson's management style as the superintendent, that it's kind of a team effort. And, and really, I'm just part of a, a team with my other four fellow board members. And uh, we rarely, rarely do we have to go back to and say, it's time to enforce this operating agreement. <clears throat> Mostly what we do is, is if we if we know we're butting up to that line or we're ready to cross over that line and we're a board member is is getting uh, approaching an area that maybe we, he shouldn't be or she shouldn't be all we have to say is hey maybe it's time that we pull out the operating agreement and read it again and we do that maybe twice a year once when we approve it for the uh, for the year, and then and then sometimes one other time when we get bogged down. Hey, let's go back to our operating agreement, and and it's really just a guidance on how board members talk to each other, how we communicate with the superintendent, and how we communicate with uh, with our community, and and really all we have to do is just mention it, and it kind of gets us pull, pulls it back pulls us back in line. Uh, Pam, you mentioned the last time we were talking that um, you don't you don't use policy to call board members out, right? Even if you notice there is a a particular policy not being followed or maybe had been forgotten in in a meeting, whatever that may be, um, which I think is is commendable. You talked about how you actually once again lean on this concept of trust and you know, engage in conversation to try to influence as opposed to call people out, right? And yeah. um, that's a summary of how you described it. You, you did it much better than I, than I did. I'm, I'm curious if, if you could maybe mention um, how you look to these agreements and then how you work with Ken specifically um, when you see maybe something just about to go off the rails. Like how... Do you call Ken first and say, Ken, I think we got a problem. What's the strategy? Um, do you go to the whole board at once? What are your operating agreements as it relates to working with the, with the president? Yeah, um, since the board operating agreements um, is something that the board pulls out, like Ken said, and actually uh, renews every year in an open board meeting and says, hey, these are the things we're holding ourselves accountable to. I usually uh, call Ken when I see something going sideways. And uh, and like he said, in a study session or something else, he'll say, hey, we're going to pull these out and look at them one more time. Uh, when it comes to policy, um, you know, I think if you want to try your hardest for that artful piece about um, growing relationships with your board. The worst thing in the world I think someone can do is embarrass somebody. And so I, you know, there's a time to talk to the board as a whole. There's also a time to pick the phone up and, and, and just say, Hey, it looks like something's really bothering you over here. Can you tell me more about that? Um, and that might not be Ken. It might be another board member. Um, or if Ken's hearing something from board members, we'll say, well, let's put our heads together. What do we, what does that person need in terms of more information? Um, and I think there's an, a, an avoidance behavior when people are worried about conflict on a board and with a superintendent. I think it's more powerful to lean into 
the fire or get closer to the fire so that you can just be honest with people and say, hey, what's what's it going to take? You know, we're all here for for the kids. We might come at it a different way, but but what do we need to do so that we stay strong? And um, and we're the adults in the room. You know? <laughs> and so, but I think leaning toward um, a situation as opposed to avoidance behavior is is a stronger posture. I think I think one of Dr. Swanson's strengths is that she reads the room very, very well. And and uh, she will say if she sees something coming up or, or feels like something is coming up or if she's alerted by one of the board members, hey, let's set something up, go have a coffee. Let's go have an iced tea. And it will maybe me and another board member or, or her and a board member and a community member. And, and she'll, she'll get in front of that early, much sooner than maybe others might before it festers into something that is uncontrollable. Well, Ken, you mentioned that Pam is comfortable in her own skin, right? And for one to be comfortable with conflict, um, I would argue that they need to be. I think that sometimes when you're not comfortable in your own skin, you're, it's easy to shy away, which is an unhealthy thing to do, but happens, um, I would say, the majority of the time when it comes to these public discussions that are often kind of political in nature when our most valuable resource, our kids, are being discussed. So with that, um, let's talk politics for a minute in terms of how you navigate the politics, especially in this day and age, right? We're living through the most polarizing time that we've seen, um, and it is, it is infiltrating just about every single day into schools, onto the laps of school boards, as well as superintendents, all the way down through principals. If you're a leader in an educational system, you're an incredible target. So being that you have this big, bold target on the front of your chest, how do you navigate that in your community? Because you can't, you know, you, I mean, you, you can't policy your way out of that. So what is your strategy as a team and specifically the two of you? Well, we're, we're very lucky that we've navigated it pretty well so far, I think. Um, and it's, it certainly is not easy. I, I think when it comes to community members and specifically say a community member who wants to run for the board, or uh, is considering a run for the board, a board member, or I'll meet with that person. And the, mo the most important first thing that we do is we get that person to sign off on our CBS because really that's, that's the most important thing that we hang our hat on at, at Westminster Public Schools. So we want to ensure that anybody who may be running for our board is in a total agreement with our CBS program. If they're not, then we can't be supportive of that person. Or we have to do uh, the very best we can to educate them on why CBS has been so uh, important for our district. In terms of the political landscape and what's going on and all the noise, we try to, we just try to communicate with our community as, as best we can every single day um, through our communications department, through board members, through the superintendent. We never shy away from a phone call. We never shy away from an email. And we just try to communicate our point of view. And if we remind, um, if we remind the citizens, we remind our community that it's really what's best for all of our kids. And if we can t keep all the other noise out there and what's best for our kids, 
then we're on the right track. It, it certainly is not easy. We've been lucky that we uh, we've not faced some of the, the some of the same hurricane winds that other school districts around us have. But uh, I think we we've been lucky because we communicate so well with our community. I'll, I'll add to that. I think we also anticipate um, what's coming down the pike. I mean, uh, the the truth is you have to stay current in what's happening on the local landscape, the state landscape, and the the national landscape, and sometimes the international landscape. And so if we see something coming down the pike, we, we have deep conversations um, among the board and the team. And sometimes a policy or a resolution will come about around certain topics or issues. Um, I'm just thinking about the whole issue around inclusivity and, and Ken brought forward a, uh, a policy, um, and this has been a while ago now, but it, it really mattered, you know, and um, I think when the community sees that we're trying to address issues, not just uh, maybe the way uh, school boards and superintendents and systems did 10 years ago, but the here and now, and what are the challenges here and now? whether it's a Zoom with our community on school safety or whether it's um, a, a telephone town hall to listen to our community about issues that, you know, can make you uncomfortable sometimes. Um, I, th I think that's really important. And we're also blessed because we have legal counsel um, working alongside our board and our team, certainly me. Um, that also helps us navigate some of that as well. If someone has a single agenda, they they expose that themselves. I don't necessarily need to engage and expose that. They do that themselves. And our community is smart. <laughs> and so after they hear things a few times, uh, they'll either go ask Ken or, or another board member, what, what's this about? Or, um, you know, they'll make up their own minds about, huh, is that um, is that a good motivation behind the behavior here so let me um let me jump on a, a soapbox real quick and and tell you how the how lucky the two of you are based upon what you just described currently um and pam maybe you've heard me mention this but one thing that i think is plaguing leaders throughout throughout this country specifically in school districts is the they are being driven by what was once described as the tyranny of the urgent I've actually described it as just trying to get through Tuesday, where leaders are really focusing on if I can just solve the challenges that are coming at me fast and furiously today to get through today and maybe to Friday, which would be a successful week by managing a lot of the problems coming to us, as opposed to being the public intellectuals that I think we should be visionaries to look a little bit beyond the current and looking towards the future as you described so specifically, Pam, that is what leaders do, is they try to look around the corner, they try to look to the horizon, even if they feel like they're underwater. It's a right. difficult process. And if the two of you are doing that, if you're bored, if your leaders are doing that in your district, um, I can't tell you how rare that is based upon what's happening now in the field beyond your district. You probably see some of that. I see more of it just know that you are really fortunate and blessed to have that perspective. So anyway, my, my compliments to you both because 
that sometimes is missed in terms of what the role that the two of you have. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, well, thank you. It does. It, it's not easy. It, that's for sure. It's it, the easy part is trying to get through the day. The tough part is trying to look around the corner. And I think we're blessed with with leaders that will help look around the corner. So, oh, did I interrupt you, Pam? No, I was just going to say uh, one thing, Ken and the board, uh, what they do very well is they recognize, because we have term limits in Colorado for school board members, um, and so two four-year terms, and then if you want to be on the board again, not that anyone's that crazy, you'd have to sit <laughs> off for four years <laughs> and then run again, right? So that's how it works, but our board recognizes that what they're building today and what they're planting today, um, it may come to fruition after they're off the board. And I think superintendents um, should be wise and think that way too. Uh, the actions you're taking in your system aren't just during the time frame uh, you're in the system, but it's how do you, if you're in a cabin and you're a guest, leave the firewood stack just a little bit higher than when you got there. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. Okay, so one thing that you mentioned, Pam, when we talked is that since your district has taken on this very uh, ambitious process of, you know, really this competency-based system years ago that you've been building over time, the way that I heard you, at least, is that that effort has really pulled you together. Right, and it has served as almost this touchstone to other work where that is purely focused on students, right? A system for educators to support students, and it's a that's not a that's not a light lift. It's it's a heavy overtime lift. So I heard you say it that that has actually created a focus for you and the board and the community that just like, you know, your agreements has been really, really important. Did I, did I hear that correctly? And Ken, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. You did oh, hear that correctly. Absolutely. It, it, it is, it's our driving point. It absolutely is our driving point. Um, we, everything we do, we do because of CBS and we do it because it's the absolute best thing for our population. It's the best way for us to educate our kids in our community. And it, it's our focal point. So I hope just the, the rest of the leaders and educators that are listening to this um, think that through a bit because having that um, common focus regardless of one's political perspective, um, can serve as an incredible opportunity to bring you back to home base relative to what you have all agreed on as important. And I think sometimes that is missing. Sometimes people describe that in the strategic plan, but if they're like a lot of strategic plans, which is filled with you know 53 initiatives, um, then therefore that's a hard place to be able to describe and name. So when you can describe and name that consistently, you know, from the superintendent, from the school board perspective, all the way down through your principals and educators, I just think that's powerful and often missing in a district too. So I'm just hoping other leaders listening to this hear and understand uh, how critical that is. It's a systemic focus. It's a systemic focus, yeah. You, and you talk about this that strategic plan. If it was up to an elected board member, there'd be 75 
of those uh, points in a strategic plan. Dr. Swanson does his, does a great job in helping us focus. Uh, we just finished uh, Destination 2030. Right? That's what we're calling it, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah, if it was up to an elected official, it'd be endless. Um, she keeps us focused on that. Yeah, well done, Pam. You're good at you know, beating back initiatives. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> okay, so this is this is the, the traditional famous last question. Um, as as you know, Pam, our theme in kind of our leadership um, circle is that we say circles are better than rows. We believe that the most powerful form of leaders learning is by leaders helping other leaders. So that comes through discourse. This is the one thing that we do that really is around producing content. That being the case, if we were to pretend the three of us are sitting around a large table and at that table, there were other superintendents, assistant superintendents, all the way down through principals and board members. And you were to give your last uh, piece of wisdom, your last kind of encouraging words in an elevator speech, what would you want to leave people with? And I'll let Pam go first, then Ken, you're going to bring us home. Yeah, great question. Um, a couple of things. One is uh, relationships. It begins with relationships. It ends with relationships. And I think um, leaving your ego at the door and just focusing on um, the people in front of you and what it is you're trying to accomplish, even when you need to say to yourself or out loud to other people, hey, you know what, you're right. Maybe, maybe that was a better idea than the one I had. I think that's the best advice you can give to yourself and anyone else in the field. Um, I also think it's important to give the credit away. I mean, my board deserves a ton of credit because they're courageous. And, um, and I think that that matters too. And so they know I have their back and I know they have mine. Yeah, thank you very much, Pam. So Ken, how about you? Yeah, I would agree 100% with that. I would say uh, ad admit to know what you know and admit to know what you don't know. Um, and communicate, 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 which I think Dr. Swanson does very well with, with, with our board. And I think our board does that very well with her. Um, trust and build that relationship. But you can't build that trust until you build a relationship. Pam and Ken, we, um, through these leader chats, we have had just, you know, these rock star educational leaders um, over the past year, year and a half. And often they are kind of uh, thought leaders, authors, uh, professors, and so forth. Occasionally, very strategically, I think it's important we reach into the field and find people on the front lines doing incredible work. And so we don't do it often, but I want you to know that um, we are so fortunate that you were willing to be those people for us and help other leaders learn through your experience and your wisdom. Um, it's, it's a really big deal. And to have this two-part series, which um, I thought was a, uh, was, was a fun idea, but in the meantime, I had to beg Pam would you please make this happen? And you did. I, I, I thank you both very much. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for your guidance and your partnership. All right. Well, you two, thanks very much. I know you have to get back to the 
you know, leading Westminster and the state of Colorado and anything we can do to, to support you and your team. We will, ladies and gentlemen, um, I know if you actually paid attention and you listened to these kind of this two part series, um, you will learn and you will not learn from somebody who's just writing a text. You're writing from somebody who's daily in the trenches doing the work and to watch the relationship of Pam and Ken and how that translates to the rest of the heroes and the leaders, the board members down to the principals and the teachers, and of course the community, um, you know how critical that relationship is. So we just wanna thank them. I thank you for listening. Thank you for your noble work of leading and guiding students and schools and communities. Everyone be well.